Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Riding Unicorns, the podcast about growth startups. I'm James Pringle and my co-host is Hector Mason from Episode One Ventures. This week we have Amy Lewin, Deputy Editor at Sifted. Sifted is the publication that provides in-depth reporting on startups in Europe. It's backed by the Financial Times and a great source of information for anyone covering the sector. So welcome Amy to Riding Unicorns. Thanks for joining us. Hello, nice to be here. So Amy, uh, please could you start by just giving us a background on your career and how you ended up at Sifted? Sure. So I joined Sifted almost three years ago now as a reporter. I was the first hire, so that was an interesting move on my part. Before that, I was features editor at a print magazine called Career, which also writes about startups. So I've been covering startups for quite a while now. Um, but that was obviously print, not web, so quite different. Um, and before that, I had a very glamorous job as an editorial assistant at the IKEA magazine, which is different from the catalogue uh, and meant that I got to travel all around Europe and go and visit people's homes who were slightly obsessed with IKEA. Is it as enthralling as the IKEA catalogue? It's even better. <laughs> Check it out if it still exists. IKEA Family Live great publication. So maybe for our listeners you could just explain what Sifted does. Sure so Sifted is a publication backed by the Financial Times that covers startups and tech in Europe. So the idea behind setting up Sifted is that the FT obviously does a brilliant job of covering big businesses but there are lots of businesses that are slightly too small or too young for the FT to cover just yet and yet there's a lot of them and in not that long a time lots of them are going to be the big businesses of the future and that also there's a there's a lot of brilliant journalism on startups and tech particularly focused on the US Europe was missing a kind of voice to cover what was going on over here not just for the European tech community but also for example investors in America or in China who wanted to know what was going on over here as well so that's what we want to be we want to be the voice and the kind of community and I guess the source of truth for what's going on in the European startup scene. What is the connection with FTs? I looked on, I think it was PitchBook, and it looked like you guys had raised around. Was that yeah, so, from the FT? So we are an entirely separate company from the FT. However, our founder, John Thornhill, is um, still an editor at the FT, and the FT is an investor in Sifted. But otherwise, we operate entirely independently. We're very friendly towards one another, but our newsrooms are separate. Our teams are separate. And did it initially start out as just covering fintech? So we never solely have focused on fintech. However, we do have a brilliant fintech reporter called Isabel Woodford, who's been with Sifted from reasonably early on, who's always focused specifically on fintech. And I think when I first joined, for example, I wrote a few things about Monzo and, and stuff because I, I just knew that this is what the, especially the London startup scene, it's a company that everyone's obsessed with. So Isabel now solely focuses on fintech, but we also cover things like on-demand grocery and scooters and health tech and deep tech and all sorts of other things as well. Yeah, and on-demand grocery is a bit of an interesting area to be reading about at the moment because there's lots going on, lots of companies, big valuations, high growth. Uh, It's kind of turning everything upside down in that sector. What's your take on the sort of 10 or 15 minute grocery delivery market? Well, for starters, it's kind of a journalist's dream because 
it's utterly ridiculous. As you say, there's loads of money going into it. There's a new story literally every week, if not every day. A new company has raised money or there's some sort of cultural hiring disaster or the, the VC rumour mill is spinning and saying that someone's getting acquired or someone's not getting acquired anymore or someone's expanding to this country or not expanding to this country. So it's an endless source of things I can write about. I started writing about it at the start of this year when lots of the companies were first starting to raise big rounds because it seemed very similar to the scooter hype of a few years ago that I'd also written about, yet even more hypey um, and possibly with even less of a business model. I'm not going to say anything super original here. It's what other people have said, but I think we're going to see quite a few um, like M&A things happening. That's already underway. We reported that Deja, which is one of the London-based ones, is supposedly getting acquired by GoPuff, or they're in talks to do that. Kadu, which is a French one, recently took investment from Carrefour. Wouldn't be surprised if they end up buying them. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of that happening. And then I think we'll see a few kind of giants emerge uh, my money's on turkey's get here which is live in london i think they're they're a they're a solid contender in the race and they've got serious serious funding behind them where do you guys tend to get your scoops from vcs are the gossip gossipiest <laughs> ones of them all for sure employees can be really useful people who whose companies have maybe been acquired by these businesses and then have left so they've got good contacts but they've you know not kind of got uh, their own particular interest in it anymore if you're doing a really good job you make friends with bankers and lawyers and somehow get them to talk but it's mostly mostly vcs who will tip you off for starters very interesting because i guess it's um like what's in it for them for spilling the beans uh their ego vcs like to <laughs> feel like they are on top of everything and like to let you know that they're on top of everything that's happening yeah, and it's free press, isn't it? So um, there's there was a quote recently about from Richard Branson talking about the power of a press release and how important it is to get good press coverage. So apart from grocery delivery, which is, as you say, you know, sort of top of the mind at the moment with the crazy valuations, what other trends are you seeing uh, or receiving a lot of yeah, press releases around? Well, Another big thing that everyone's talking about is the, the valuations we're seeing and just how fast companies are raising since the pandemic has hit. That's really taken off after an initial kind of big stall, like stall where, every, where all the VCs were kind of checking in on their portfolio and companies were figuring out, you know, if they had any runway and how soon they would need to raise. Now things have gone quite bananas. I don't know when the bubble will burst, but that's something people are talking about quite a bit it's also will be quite interesting to see when these companies that have raised at a really high valuation they will soon need to go and raise again and whether they can kind of fulfill the promise of that valuation might see a lot of down rounds coming up this isn't really a new trend but another thing I'm always interested in is every new VC fund that launches is doing things somehow very differently from everyone else so any sort of iteration on the VC model whether that's you know, having a scout program or an angel program or um, different kind of collectives that enable people to invest in VC without, you know, being a super, super high net worth individual or an institution. I find that all quite interesting. And I think we'll con continue to see lots of that uh, happening. 
Definitely. It's interesting that you touch on that because I run an event called the Seed Stage, which is exactly that. And it's um, basically a pitching event where anyone can apply and then VCs vote on the companies they want to see pitch. And then the ones that receive the most votes get to pitch in front of absolutely anyone who can join. I'm super passionate about getting young people and people who aren't high net worth and haven't already made their money investing from really small amounts in, in top tier companies, which isn't often possible on Crowdcube and places. And so hopefully we're going to be spinning up sort of SPVs and vehicles for the companies who pitch at the seed stage to allow any, any of the attendees to invest in those companies. So yeah, I completely agree that I think that is, it seems to be the way the world is going. I have a question for you on this. Do yes. you think that's responsible though? Do you think Joe and Jane Schmo should be investing in startups or VC? Or is that just a way of very likely throwing your money down the toilet? Yeah, I think it's it's a really good question. I think it's a great point. And, you know, people need to know what they are getting themselves into. I think if they do have a clue what they're what they're doing, then private market investing can offer way better returns than public market investing. So potentially the reward is great. We need to be clear not to let people who don't know what they're doing invest. What Hex is doing in the C stage, there's sort of a panel of VCs that help select the company. So is still a selective entry model, which helps improve the quality, but also with all investing, capital is at risk. And so people have to be aware of that and there have to be disclaimers and things like that. But there is something incredible about investing early, even with very small tickets, whether it's 500 quid or 5,000 pounds, you know, anything in between, you get to spend more time with founders, spend more time with other investors, see different business models, expose yourself to what a high growth company looks like or doesn't look like if it doesn't work out. And with things like EIS, your maximum exposure is 40% of what you invest because you've got 30% income tax relief on the way in and potentially 30% loss relief on the way out. And that's if it goes wrong. So there are quite a lot of protections in place. And I think that there does need to be a kind of encouraging of a new generation of angels as well who are tech savvy or maybe working in tech you know, more and more people are being employed by Carwell, Deliveroo or Revolut. And so that these people, they might not be the founders with lots of equity making massive money on the exit, but they have lots of relevant experience that they could recycle back into early stage. That's, that's absolutely true. And that is actually another sort of trend that we've been seeing or people have been wanting to talk to us about, which is, I guess, whether it's investing or advising how do people in Europe better, I guess, like leverage the network of kind of operational experts that we have now? So people who are relatively senior in the bigger, more successful startups like TransferWise or like N26 or, you know, the kind of the big companies from an ecosystem. How, how do, do they kind of use, get used best? And, and yeah, some of them are angel investing. Some of them are angel investing via things like Axel or Sequoia's Scout program. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super interested to see how that develops. And yeah, and, and I'm always interested when I start seeing someone's name crop up a lot on funding announcements as an angel. I'm like, interesting. Are they, are they someone's scout? Has someone given them this dollar or did they like cash out at a secondary recently and have turned to angeling on the side? Yeah, I think it's also a really important move for the long-term diversity of VC. 
which is that if people do start investing with smaller tickets from any backgrounds through a kind of selective entry model where they're building their portfolio, they're building their own track record, they're building their pattern matching. These are the future potential GPs of new VC firms. And so you've got to start somewhere. And even if it's small tickets, you can still put your hat on it and say, I made that investment. So I definitely sit in the camp of everyone should dabble a little bit, obviously within reason. And if you really don't have the knowledge or expertise, then consider being an LP in a fund first or going through some model where you're not necessarily the sole decision maker on each transaction. But it's a really important thing for diversity. And on diversity, I mean, that's a huge topic at the moment. How do Sifted cover that? And how do you guys see things moving? And what's changed in the last sort of year or two? I think unfortunately not enough has changed. So the classic example is you look at the amount of money that's gone into female founders. That basically hasn't changed. I think it actually got worse last year. That's not great. Really not great. There's definitely more communities springing up. There are more funds that specifically focus on whether it's underrepresented founders or black founders or female founders. They exist now and they didn't maybe exist or anywhere near as many of them sort of five or so years ago. But, but it's absolutely embarrassing and unbelievable if you actually think about it, that basically over 90% of funding goes to all male founding teams. Like it's, it's 2021. How is that still happening? So like ma- masses needs to be done. A good thing is that, yes, there are more female investors. There are still really not enough female partners uh, we did a list recently of basically every single female partner, like a decision-making, a, Jeep, a general partner at a fund in Europe, and there are about 200. I don't know how many men there are, but it's a lot more than 200. A lot needs to be done. In terms of how SIFT covers it, from when I joined, I think there's always a challenge with kind of news or any journalism of how do you choose what stories to write about. And I think a challenge with tech journalism has been if your main criteria for kind of what makes a top story is like the amount of money that has been raised or kind of how well known a founder or an investor is, then you're basically excluding female founders from the start because they do raise less money or they are less well known because there aren't that many of them. So you kind of change the criteria, but I think there's also there's and, and then there's different things you can write about if you're writing about kind of operational expertise or your you're picking the brains of VCs about companies they're interested in, just make sure you speak to a goddamn woman or a person of colour. Like, it's not it's not that hard. You just need to ask to interview different people. And, and then it's a kind of representation thing. So it's sifted whenever we do events. We never have any manuals. And, and the female journalists don't count because most of our most of our reporters are actually women. So we have to make sure we have women on our panels and... Um, you know we'll often pick as the top photo in a story if, if we interviewed a bunch of people and one of them is a woman we'll make that the top picture so we're at least kind of presenting the kind of industry that we want to see another area of diversity that I we are like even way further behind on is kind of people's backgrounds especially people from less privileged kind of economic backgrounds that's a whole other thing and it's and it's and again, it's crazy to me because tech should and could be the kind of industry where anyone can make it. You don't need to go to uni. You can teach yourself stuff. Like 
we probably need to be like really good at networking but it is like it is possible and it's just like it's just it's just such a shame to me that we're so far off that yet but I have I have I have hope <laughs> if you just do things the way things have always been done you're you're excluding the people you've always been excluding um and if you think about doing things a bit differently you give people a different way to present their idea and pitch to, that's that's what we need and I think we're we're hopefully past the warm intro only VCs as well which kind of tried to keep that as a thing a couple of years ago and quickly got shot down and rightly so I think all VCs should have like their emails on their LinkedIn and stuff so that just the accessibility is available to to all but much more needs to be done I think we can all agree with that so uh, the next thing I wanted to just chat a bit about is we've talked a little bit about VCs changing their models or being much more community based but there's also been a big change around kind of VC structures whether it be rolling funds or solo GPs so what kind of trends are you seeing around like the VC structure space? There is quite a lot of talk about how things like rolling funds in the US have been working out really well and how we need stuff over here. I think fundamentally for all that VC likes to present itself, it's like this very innovative and exciting industry. It's exceedingly old school um, and could and that's partly because, you know, it's financially regulated and, and you know, lots of money at stake and, and all sorts of legal stuff. But a lot could change in how kind of how VCs raise funds. The LP side of things is another massive one for diversity. So um, a group of female general partners from I think it's 25 different countries in Europe recently kind of did this big thing with the European Commissioner for the European Commissioner for kind of tech and research was basically calling on the EU to kind of set, set create certain programs to invest in female general partners because they have these programs to invest in like space tech and deep tech and it's like is uh, you know is is investing in in women investors who are then way more likely to invest in women founders who are more likely to create things that are useful for 51% of the population is that not like of equal benefit to the continent as investing in space tech so i think lps and if you just the further up the chain you go the more focused those people are placing on whether it's diversity or whether it's kind of sustainability credentials and really like collecting data on this and holding people to account not just greenwashing or diversity washing like oh well done you created a, a presentation on your esg but really are like what's going on here why why have you only invested in these kinds of companies then that would really uh move the dial a bit I think yeah I, I completely agree I think there's a massive irony in VC which invests in the most innovative technologies probably being the last industry to be innovated on but I think another thing that feeds into the, the diversity conversation as well as the kind of general democratization and sort of access topics are secondaries because I think at the moment like VC and private private markets in general are just pretty closed off and only those kind of who are VCs or are employees can access them and can kind of gain from them. But I think as we get towards a place where there's kind of exchanges where you can trade private shareholdings and then suddenly you get, you know, employees at these amazing startups who got some share options from day one, which are now worth like a million pounds, will suddenly be able to be those kind of sole GP 
funds and we'll be able to be doing lots more angel investing. And I think it's all bubbling up, but just things need to be accelerated. Yeah, 100% on the secondaries thing. So you are, we are starting to see more. Again, it's those like really quite big companies already, like Alan and Blah Blah Car in France have done a few like secondary things. TransferWise has been doing it a lot here. But yeah, it's, it's kind of this, you've got to wait for companies to reach a certain size and it's still not, I think, kind of easy enough for them to make these things happen. And then I think there's also the reticence, isn't there, from some VCs who still have this mindset of like, no, if a founder cashes out even anything so they can like have a baby, that will be the worst thing ever. You know, like they're not going to they're not going to leave the company. They're just going to, yeah. you know, have, have some money to like buy a nice coffee machine or whatever. Or, you know, these, these employees can then can then do do a bit of angel investing on the side and find that fulfilling. You know, I just think that, again, yeah. a bit kind of VC for all it's being very innovative, a little bit stuck in the past. <laughs> totally agree. And I think, you know, ho- hopefully that is becoming an old fashioned view. You know, I think most VCs that I speak to now are like the like a founder of a business worth hundreds of millions of pounds should not be stressed about like, you know, putting food on the table or about paying their mortgage or whatever. So like allow them to sell a bit of their shares, um, allow them to to live a little um and hopefully they'll run their business better and in a less stressful way so yeah it's a super interesting topic but i wanted to ask you what motivates you as a journalist i guess i wear a few hats as a journalist i'm just like most journalists very very nosy very curious i love learning about new things i really like people <laughs> i like hearing stories and then i like writing them up in a way that is hopefully enjoyable for people to read and enjoyable for me to write And then why I really love my job at Sifted is because I also get to be a person who is a first employee at a startup, which comes with all of the stuff that I guess lots of people listening will know about, which is (laughs) being like interim chief people officer and the person who, I don't know, organizes the team rounders event and, you know, does a whole load of other random crap. Um, And that is super fulfilling for me. And I hope it also makes me a better reporter on this space because I've lived some of it. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's I think it's fascinating. I mean, we've spoken to Eamon at Techstars, um, who was a journalist prior to becoming a VC. And then obviously Kieran at Ascension, um, journalist before, before becoming a VC. I think there's a lot of shared skills in, you know, knowing the right question to ask having a bit of hustle. Um, Do you think there's a career in VC ahead of you? I have been asked this before, and I also have a very well-known angel investor who has promised that he will write me my first check whenever I want to do that. I think that is ethically problematic if I'm investing in companies, so I am not doing that. Um, I'm also still convinced that VC is obviously the dark side, so I will stick with journalism for now, but you can um, call me up on this in 20 years' time or whatever if I'm suddenly running Sequoia. (laughs) <laughs> well, so Michael Moritz, he was a journalist, so it's, a, it's the right one to go with. And uh, Amy, what's what's next for Sifted? So obviously the, the publication is doing really well, but are there plans to expand to even more formats? So as it stands, we have a website, we have multiple newsletters, we have digital events. We're also going to be doing in-person events soon. Uh, people are always asking us to do a podcast. We would love to do a podcast. If anyone listening to this would like to sponsor our podcast, please get in touch. What else do we want to do? We launched membership earlier this year. So we need to 
make membership even better get more people signed up I guess that whole product what it takes to be a really good subscription publication we would love to do more stuff around we've always talked about that buzzword community and and kind of making things two-way because we don't just want to be a publication where we kind of um we broadcast stuff out to people we want it to be much more two-way and we think that especially in an industry like startups that makes a lot of sense but it's creating the right what's the right platform to do that where like what's the best way to engage with our readers so we've got all of this stuff to figure out and then like any startup we're hiring loads uh so we've got to find all those people onboard them do all of that stuff um so hopefully just kind of bigger and better if the same <laughs> yeah and if there's if someone listening is thinking about joining sifted what are the sort of cultural traits that you need or we look for when hiring at Sifted? So I'm delighted that whenever anyone joins Sifted, everyone always comments on how friendly and how helpful everyone is. We are a very friendly and a very helpful team. We are a team. We help each other out. We don't yet, hopefully we won't ever, have kind of real divides between different teams, partly because we haven't really had any different departments for a long time. Um, just kind of willing to, to roll your sleeves up, be interested in doing lots of different things um yeah and be generally a decent human being yeah sounds like a nice place to work to be honest um and amy we're getting to sort of towards the end of the episode now so we always like to ask people if they would have dinner with three people who who would that be so we did a big investigation this week into gorillas the on-demand delivery company that has just a few issues behind the scenes so I'd probably like to invite their founder Khan <laughs> to a dinner party and then maybe I'd throw in like Adam Newman or someone else just to make that a really ridiculous dinner party and then if I wanted to have a dinner party that was more kind of like inspirational people um, I might invite I'd probably invite a bunch of sort of um, female leader or journalistic legends so people like the FT's assistant editor Janine Gibson who's the person who set up the Guardian in the US and BuzzFeed in the UK who's just absolutely awesome I would love to learn from her and maybe a founder like Sharmadine Reed because she is always great fun to be around you've got four points there for four unique people so that's that's great maybe we'd throw in a Tory politician as well just to make that <laughs> a real riot yeah well, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to do a recording with us. It's great to hear you guys have a really interesting perspective on the tech scene, kind of getting to see a bit of everything. Um, so it's great to hear about different trends you're seeing and changes and there's more to be done. So um, we're fully behind that. And uh, thanks for coming on and having a chat with us. Thanks for having me. I'll let you know if I ever make that dinner party happen. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Amy. Thank you for listening to Riding Unicorns. Please do engage with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. On Twitter, it's at ridingunicorns underscore. And on LinkedIn, you can just search for Riding Unicorns. Don't forget to sign up to our Substack to get episodes direct to your inbox every Wednesday. Go to ridingunicorns.substack.com. Please also like and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Look out for the next episode.